Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjo Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjo Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to this segment on CTN. To learn more, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. And our topic for today is building high-performing data and analytics team. And our guests for today are Vijay Venkatesh, Senior Vice President, Chief Data Officer with Providence St. Joseph Health. Hi, Vijay. How are you? I'm doing great, Sanjog. How are you doing today? Great, great to have you. And we also have Sharif Mithias, who is the Chief Information Officer and Chief Strategy Officer with TGI Fridays. Hey, Sharif, how is life? It's great. Thank you. Great to be here. Oh, honor to have you as well. So the reason we wanted to talk about this subject, which is building a high-performing data and analytics team, is because of some direct conversations I've had with global leaders on this front, because, of course, we are trying to go digital, and having big better control on data is digital. So whether you talk about the upstream data engineering or you think about the downstream churning, which is the analytics, both are equally important. And we are finding that there are challenges in both. And especially when you're trying to get so much of data and volume variety and velocity to be handled and make sense of it and make it to good use for the company and your partners and ecosystem, that's what we are up against. So how do we handle it? So that said, uh, Sheriff, I'll start with you as the first question. The the range, or rather the ranking that was given to the data and analytics team by many, many leaders that I've spoken with is around two to three out of a scale of one to ten. How come we are struggling with this and we are that low in terms of the ranking? Yeah, I really think it comes down to a, a couple reasons, and it's a little bit of playing catch-up because, you know, I think every, every organization out there basically swims in data. I mean, we, we have lots of data, especially if you're in the, you know, retail, hospitality, or really any sector that deals with consumers. Uh, the problem is that the data is all sitting in different spots, and it's really hard then to understand, well, how do you bring that data together? How do you connect the dots? Uh, because looking at just one set of data or one, one repository may give you a very different and potentially inaccurate view to draw insights from, to actually drive decisions for the business. And so the first piece is really just trying to understand how do you connect the dots? How do you pull all this disparate data into one usable and informative uh, repository that's either you know the single view of the guest or it's the zing- single view of of what's going on in the business, and that's really the struggle because all this data has sitting historically in different spots, in different formats, in different usable fashion, and it's really going back almost in time to understand how to put and stitch that data together. So when we talk about the chief data officer's role, and while it would look like that, bring a chief data officer and the problem solved. Now, when you are looking at things, Vijay, and when such expectations are set when you arrive at that uh, office, how do, you, how do you manage that expectation and to what degree any chief data officer can live up to that expectation? You know, that's a very interesting question and a very uh, thoughtful question, Sanjog. So if you are a fan of Star Wars and the old version, not the brand new iterations. I used to say it feels like that Star Wars movies. You know, the first movie was called Brand New Hope. Like, you know, so when a chief data officer uh, comes in, there's always hope and optimism. You know, he's going to be, he or she's going to be the one resolving all the ills of the organization around data. Then I call it that the second version of it is that the empire strikes back and the empire strikes back quite hard. So that's the inertia of an organization that says, you know what, this thinking about the democratizing data is very hard. We were very happy with what we used to have, and we are fine. And then we have to say, you know, the third incarnation of that movie was the return of the Jedi. And, and in some ways, we have to say, how do we take back the uh, colonies over? How do we make sure that now we are living in a hopeful world? 
So in some ways, when a chief data officer walks into an organization, they have to be able to make sure that there is, you know, this idea that you are there to change culture. You're not just there to find pockets of data, organize it, but really understand an organizational culture about how they think about data, how they use data, and how do they harness the data. Is data a utility or is data an asset and what does that mean? So that's how I think about these conversations is that it's not, it's not a simple equation. It's really a matter of how do you convince people what can you do with the data you already have and how do you extract value from that in a meaningful way that improves your business outcomes or operations. So, uh, Sheriff, not every organization, even today, have agreed or, or decided to bring a CDO. And when you don't have a single top-level owner and the department that supports it, what are they thinking in terms of getting a handle on this data and analytics problem? Yeah, I think the the key piece here, um, and I think it was just mentioned, which is you have to set up front what you're trying to achieve, right? So even before, I think, putting in a chief data officer or putting a focus on data analytics, you have to step back and go, what, what's the end goal? What's the deliverable? What's the outcome I'm looking to achieve by getting a better handle, a more complete view of the totality of the data information I have at my disposal? And then what am I going to do with it, right? So data in and of itself is actually meaningless unless it drives decisions, unless you can extract the appropriate insights and analyze that data to make real decisions that impact your consumers, your shareholders, or your organization. And I think at the, end, at the, at the beginning of that journey, you, you, everyone has to be aligned on what are those objectives and how are we going to measure the return on the investment to go get those objectives, right? Because none of this is free right? Putting the data together, understanding how to create it, how to, how to ha- hold it, how to analyze it, how to draw out insights. All those pieces require investments of people, usually par- vendors, and obviously time and energy internally. And so it, it's, that, it's that stepping back and making sure the entire organization at the senior levels are aligned up front really paves the path, right? Really starts to create the opportunity for either a chief data officer or just even an internal team that's focused and dedicated on creating a very different and new and informative uh, set of insights that will help drive the organization forward. But unless you have that, I think you, you'll always have disparate, potentially misaligned, and you know, to the point made earlier, a lot of pushback from individual functions in terms of why are we changing? Why is this going to help me? Those fundamental things have to be solved or at least aligned up front to to pave the way for this process going forward. So we have been at it for some time, this data issue when we had the MDM, like the master data management related issue where we had business users or business, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd call them business users who were not taking ownership of the data that they produce. They were not the custodians. And we could not get everyone to agree to that one version of the truth. Now comes this whole digital age where the same thing is happening, but you got way too much data, way, way too much variety and coming way too fast for us. So, Vijay, when you look at this, would you say that we are, we have a lot of different flavors of strategies that we can paint on a document, but is the devil primarily in the execution? That's where we are failing? You know, that's, I, I would tend to agree with you. So I think one of the things that happens in organizations is, you know, as I said, when you come in, you're putting the right strategy on paper, you're, you're thinking about the right way to approach the problem. But where we often not pay enough attention is, is the organizational maturity there to execute on that strategy or the vision? So are there capabilities that are available within an ecosystem, right? So when I think about high-performing analytics team as an example, in this brand-new paradigm that we live in, which is data is 24 by 7, it's all around you, it's being you know uh, captured, if you will, in many different places, 
how do you harness that? What platforms you're going to use, you know, harness it on? How do you make that available? And what are the skill sets you need in this new way of working with data and working with information to create insights that enables action? So to me, missing that equation of what is the army I need for the future? And so you can't fight yesterday's battles with, you know, or tomorrow's battle with yesterday's army. We haven't really spent much time, or organizations typically don't spend much time thinking about what are the skill sets, what are the pieces I'm missing to execute. And that I've seen is, is the first barrier that you have to overcome is understanding the execution mindset that is required in this new paradigm of data, digital, and so on. So that's, that's the way I think about it. And the other part of it is to, you know, what was mentioned earlier is you have to get the organization to believe that there is value in these data assets. And we have to democratize data for us to see the value together. You know, I always use the expression, we have information monarchy in most organizations. And the idea is how do you create a constitution to create information democracy? And that really is also the heavy lift that you have to go through. So let's talk about, like, you know, what the flavor that you gave, Vijay, was for some organizations which are like... uh, struggling through this and that is self-inflicted because they may not be investing or they don't have clarity. So um, coming to you, Sheriff, I've seen organizations where they have a very senior, sensible set of leaders who are trying to drive this. They have invested in it. They got the sponsorship from the executive management, but still barely they inch along. And even when you're trying to execute, even when you're trying to get people to buy in, they're saying, yes, things are happening, but man, that is so slow. Or it is stalled. What can you point your fingers on? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the issue is, I, I think, as what was just mentioned, is it, it really comes down to sometimes setting the right expectations and, and having the right um, organizational executional capability, right? So you, you can, in a lot of these, for instance, even with us here at Fridays, we can see what we want to do um, with the data, with the insights. You know, we have a team in place. We have partners in place. Um, we can see the decisions we want to get to by understanding the complete view of the guest, for instance, in a more uh, democratized fashion, to use the term just used. And I think... The issue, of course, becomes there's always complexity that you're, that you're not prepared for. There, there's always, um, you know, kind of the, the bumps in the road, so to speak, in the journey that where you have to adapt and you have to adapt quickly or, to the point just made, you, you, you might start losing parts of the organization. Well, that was an interesting exercise you guys tried, but clearly it doesn't work or Clearly, it's not, you know, it's only 80% accurate. And, and as soon as, you know, certain parts of the organization start seeing chinks in the armor, uh, y- you have to resell the whole thing again. And so it's really about setting the right expectations that's saying, you know, this is not a silver bullet. This is not going to happen in 30, 60, 90 days. This, this is a journey, and it's an evolution uh, around really understanding and getting a handle on the information that we have, the data that we have, and again, for the purpose of making better decisions. So, you know, even in our world today, the information that we can use, so for instance, we, we pull in data from obviously our, our POS, we know what people bought, we pull in from guest relations, we know what people talk to us about, we pull in from social media, so we know what they're, you know, tweeting and, and posting on Facebook about us. All those disparate points of data help us get a more complete view and a very specific view of an individual guest. Now, what we do with that, right, how do we partner with marketing, for instance, to create a very personalized message to an individual guest? That's really when you start unlocking the value. And again, you don't want to start saying you're going to solve world peace with this, right? You don't want to say, I'm going to be able to do this to 50 million guests tomorrow, but how about if I could do it to 1,000 guests? How about if I just start there and start showing the value of what we're doing and, and understanding that people need to go on the journey with you and you can't just unleash it at the end of the day. <clears throat> people have to walk down the path because the, there will be bumps, there will be things that go wrong, 
And people, didn't get, people just need to understand, though, the North Star that you're heading to. And to get early wins along the way uh, will start enabling that kind of growing buy-in and momentum to getting to your final end goal. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And uh, Sheriff, to your point where we have to uh, set the right expectations and uh, get people to understand what the bigger picture and go towards that goal rather slowly but surely, let's talk about a situation where this is all being done, but eventually the net result is a super slow movement, much slower than anybody's expectation. It's not that someone overreached and then later on it's, it's coming and haunting them. It just is pure, slow in absolute sense. What is it that could be causing it if we were to uh, basically deconstruct the problem related to execution or to build a data analytics organization or data and analytics team? What are those? What are those com- common issues that could be causing if you were a consultant trying to solve this problem? How would we tackle it and how would we uncover or deconstruct the problem. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. And by the way, this question for you, Vijay. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise mobility management and document sharing solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sanjog Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Vijay, many organizations have had this issue, which is, of course, every almost every progressive organization has this issue. There has been time spent on refining the strategy, getting common expectations, setting realistic expectations, but then still the things are inching along and the, the rating, if you will, of the data and analytics organization is not improved. Correct. So I think one of the things that I, I think about in terms of the strategy part of this discussion is in most organizations, I think there is this thinking that everything is a waterfall approach to problem solving. In the world of data analytics, the way I describe it is that you you have to be able to, you know, run the business, expand the business, and transform the business all at the same time. It's like the old analogy of building an aircraft while flying in it. In, in some ways, that's the mindset you have to have. And the reason you need to have that mindset is that people's attention span are about 90 days or less. So anything over a 90-day cycle feels very long in terms of accomplishment. So one of the things that I did at Providence uh, when I came on board was we started to change the discussion from retrospective view of information. So that's like if you're looking at management reporting from a week ago, a month ago, quarter ago to prospective analysis or action-based information. So we did simple things like, you know, asking our executives, tell me something you want to know when you wake up tomorrow morning that you don't have today. 
and they would tell us, I want to know what's happening at our hospitals. I want to get an early alert system of how are we really performing. So we took that as a kind of a use case to say, can I build a mobile app that our executives can turn on, download the app, and every morning it tells them, here's my hospital performance, and oh, by the way, here's what it would be next week if these are the predictions or predictive variables that are part of it. So it was a way for us to change this concept that data can be very valuable, can tell you where you're attempting to go and how you're going to get there. And, and that was the way we tried to transform the organization around this conversation. And what we found was if you do this fast and you do this with an MVP mindset, which is building a minimal viable product, people will start giving you the attention you need to focus on the strategies you have. So in some ways, it is having that entrepreneurial mindset to begin this conversation, which is how we did it at Providence St. Joseph. So. so- Sharif, uh, when, we, when we look at the data organization as a whole, and I know it is, since it's data, while it is not an IT function, but somehow either it's assumed to be part of IT or in some way a big, thick, dotted line is supposed to be connected to IT. So say in your organization or in general, what do you think should be the kind of relationship which will allow the best functioning of a data organization and, and what's its relation to the IT department? Yeah, I mean, for us, it's it's embedded, um, and if it if it's not in other organizations, they they I think they have to be Siamese twins, right? So they have to be really literally connected at the hip, because um, to the point just made, without operationalizing the data, right? So you know, giving that information to the folks so they can understand the hospital operations, for example, in the example just stated. They, the technology team had to create something, right? They had to, they had to create an app or create a, an interface or a dashboard that makes the data and the insights from that data usable, right? It's, it's got to connect to an actual experience for the end user. And so if, if, those, if those two functions aren't literally connected at the hip and understanding not only how I'm doing something or what I'm doing, but how it's being delivered, um, that disconnect is going to basically make all the effort meaningless. And so, to, to me, personally, and what I've done in the organization is it's, it's embedded, uh, it's an integral part of everything that we look at in, as it relates to if we have data, how am I using it and how is it being delivered that the technology enables our end users or our guests or whatever function to look at and to use uh, at the end of the day, so to me, it's um, it, it's 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 literally got to be, you know, the, the the same shade of the same color. So, Sheriff, the question I'd have in this case, especially when you're trying to build, uh, you know, the the upstream data function, which could be a data lake or any other form where you know you're trying to make sense of the data, yeah. and of course, there is nothing wrong with us having IT joined at the hip because we want to make sure the operationalization happens successfully. The challenge or the rather risk, and tell, tell me if that is the right type of risk, that if you start thinking too much about the interface on how it's going to connect two people, and, and that starts influencing what data ought to be for it to serve the business, is that then not the tail wagging the dog? Well, Again, per- personally, I I believe it's 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 got to be it's got to be the it's almost got to be the same dog, right? Because if if one group is just uh, divorced from I'm just putting together data in data lakes uh, that should serve some sort of purpose, without connecting directly to those that can help enable the actual utilization of that data, um, I, I think we miss an opportunity. To be honest with you, I think. You know, it's not, it's, it's literally, they have to be in lockstep. It's not to suggest that one drives the other. It's to suggest that they are literally singing off the same hymnal. Because if, for instance, in my world, if, if, I'm, if my data team is collecting and filling a data lake as it relates to, let's say, again, our consumers, and there's no way or it's not known or enabled to allow my marketing team or my operations team or even a guest to utilize 
uh, the insight and the analytics that come from that data, um, then I just expended a whole lot of effort for no reason. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, we, all, we all can feel good about it uh, because we have all this data stitched together, but if it's not usable, then it's, it's pretty meaningless at the end of the day. And so that's, that's to me why it's very imperative. Yes, there can be leaders of driving data and analytics and leaders of technology, but if those leaders aren't literally, you know, walking hand in hand, I think we miss an opportunity. So, Vijay, when I come to you and you're wearing the the other Siamese twins hat, like what based on Sheriff, like, you know, the data and the IT organization, what's your view of the relationship? What would have allowed you to get your job in the best possible way, possible uh, best possible way and also get the best support from technology? What relationship structure would you have enjoyed? Yeah, no, I think, you know, I... Sharif pointed out, I think it is, it is a collaboration exercise. But I think one thing I would, I would maybe offer a slightly different perspective on is that in the old paradigm, it used to be that collection of the data was a big enough effort that you had to figure out the how and what platforms and how do you build data warehouses and all that. With the technology innovation that's out there with big data, cloud, and other things, you know, the collection of data can be a truly a back office function of where the, the just kind of landing data, as you mentioned earlier, in terms of a data lake, that's, that's an exercise that data organizations should continue to do and should, should continue to harness that data. If the other side of this equation, however, is a valid one, which is how do you figure out what are the business imperatives and how do you make sure that you're aligned with the business imperatives in terms of what context of the data that those businesses want, and how do you enable that? And then in terms of partnership with your IS, you know, uh, infrastructure teams or applications team, what you have to be able to do is to build what I call a human interoperability equation. Because at the end of the day, we're all interdependent on each other. Technology, you're dependent on data and applications you're dependent on, the business in terms of use and operations you're dependent on. So the way I think about my role is my job is to be that interoperability catalyst. So I have to connect these pieces both at a people process technology level and then make sure that the context of the data is enabled, you know, in a very innovative way from an operational perspective. So that is the real hard work of how do you keep doing this on a daily basis connecting teams, connecting leaders, and connecting uh, processes is how I think about it. So let's talk about the the people, the specific people and the key roles that we need to put in place. So this is like not data analytics 101, but there are some mistakes made in the way you bring the initial team and then you build a whole data organization who will take care of this whole data and analytics function. So Sheriff, if you were to start drawing a a brand new org chart for that sub-organization, which is the data organization, because in your case it is embedded within IT, what are the key roles that you brought first or you think you would have brought first to give it the best shape and structure? Yeah, I mean, I think to the point just made, um, you know, the, the... the, the data collection side of, of, the, of this equation is, is much more easy right now uh, from a technology perspective and actually requires less actual labor. Um, so folks that are really, you know, kind of managing what I'll call the data collection, uh, the data warehousing, those types, is, is, a, pretty, is a pretty small, um, you know, job. I think we're you have to invest is really again on the on the data insight and analytics side, and you know not every organization can go to you know to MIT and hire you know big data experts. Um, so you know we we in Fridays we we partner with folks that are you know smarter than us that help us do that. But I think you really need some folks that really understand how to you know really look at and manipulate information. Um, you know, we have some folks that are focused specifically on utilizing AI, for example, right? So how do we employ uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence in the, the data repositories that we have to, again, draw 
and learn from it and, and, and create the appropriate insights uh, for driving the decisions that we need to make for the business. So to me, I, I would start with really, you know, kind of the foundational pieces are there. You need some people to kind of manage it. But if you're, if you're investing in a couple key resources, it's really around kind of the, the, those kind of insight uh, analytical type of folks that really can drive the next level of technology manipulation, which in our case is, is really being driven by our AI tools. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And Vijay, let's talk about the data engineering side. So definitely on the analytics side, as Sheriff pointed out, that we need to have some solid resources who could really uh, make a difference. Now, a lot of companies have reported issues with the data engineering where they are trying to, even the sources that they have, there is some issue with the consistency of what data comes in and how clean it is and then how it all marries together and then is there one version of the truth, the standard data engineering function. That's where people have expressed issues or they say because of it, my downstream function like analytics may not function well because garbage in, garbage out. So once we come back, let's explore what would that ideal data engineering organization look like and what can we do to remove the issues which are reported, which prevents the right data, the sacred data to become sacred and which is causing downstream issues. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Your growing business needs a highly productive workforce, effectively communicating and collaborating without exposing corporate data to cyber attacks. Are you looking to balance security and workforce productivity? Move beyond short-term measures and securely scale your business with BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management Solutions. To learn more, please visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. Patient-centered care requires a connected enterprise. Are you ready? If you're looking to scale your healthcare IT efforts, visit redmain.com forward slash health today. Whether it's to connect data from multiple partner solutions or developing software for unique needs, Redmain can help. To find out how Redmain can help your company deliver on the patient-centered care promise, visit redmain.com forward slash health or call 773-693-3919. Visit today. Predict your company's future by creating it. Is your workforce able to connect, exchange ideas, and share brilliance simply and securely? Create tomorrow, today. Empower your people to innovate anytime and anywhere with secured BlackBerry Enterprise Mobility Management and Document Sharing Solutions. To learn more, visit blackberry.com forward slash enterprise. You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network with Sanjay Gall. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So, Sheriff was very successful in building the data engineering team, which is, of course, helping him support his function. So, but Vijay, coming to you, when you look at the this upstream function of data engineering, people have reported issues. And... It's it's not been as straightforward to have the data which is so clean, which has got a lot of integrity, and it's always available, and uh, what it is supposed to do for the business. It's not always up to par, and people have faced challenges. So if you look from a CDO standpoint, does that fall under your uh, stewardship? And, and if yes, what is it that you have to do in terms of the roles the responsibilities, the workflow to make sure that this function becomes what it's supposed to be? Yeah, that's a great question, Sanjog, and a very hard one. So I appreciate you asking me that, and I'll do my best to uh, respond. Um, Data engineering, you know, I think if you look at the old paradigm of managing data, you know, we used to call them ETL developers. You know, the idea of an ETL developer was you have a, a requirements back, you have a tool that's very graphical user interface, all you're doing is just mapping data from point A to point B, and then it ends up in a database called a warehouse or a data mart, and off you go, and that was the accountability. 
In the new paradigm, when we think about data engineering, it is to think about the various consumers of that data in a much more expansive way. And to thinking and then working backwards to what is the skill set I need in order to develop that. And so when I think about data engineering, I think of them as not only just building and optimizing data from applications, but it's also doing all of that what I call housekeeping activities and having a little bit of an analytic mindset because the data sets that they're building now are going to be used by data scientists, are going to be used by third-party apps, is going to have an API interfaces to downstream applications and so on and so forth. So we have to now think about what's the right way to frame the context of the data into what I'm calling data catalogs. So our idea is that we need to be able to build this version of an iTunes store of data where people can then mix and match the data galleries that they want for their downstream consumption. So that requires a thinking about little bit of how do I model the data, how do I manage the data, and how do I prepare the data and make sure it's of the highest quality and, and without compromising user, um, in a, in a user experience or user interface. And that is a skill that's hard to find because you're now dealing with brand new platforms, brand new uh, interoperability challenges. So we find that we are figuring out how to build this capability you know, by leveraging partnerships and also by trying to figure out if we can uh, bring the right skill set in. So it's a complex dialogue, but something that we feel we have to be focused on to be able to extract value from the data. So would you say there is something you have to do to attract the right talent is the talent itself is far few in number that you're not able to attract? Or when they do look at how you're trying to deal with this data engineering issue and they find kludginess, that's what drives them away. Right. So healthcare especially, I'll just speak from an industry perspective, healthcare data is very challenging because the ecosystem of healthcare is very fragmented. So you don't control all of the data that comes within your ecosystem. And so what happens is when people see that challenging, you know, challenges of how do I interpret this data, how do I synchronize this data, how do I connect the data, so I know in the earlier part of the discussion, we talked about, do I have a one version of a customer defined? We have to define one version of a patient. And that's very hard to do, and the patients don't come into all of our touch points. So there's a lot of data for fragmentation challenges, and most of the skill sets, if you're coming from CPG, retail, and financial industries, you are just struck with the enormity of the data complexity challenges. And then the other thing you also find is that, you know, in order to get to that single version of something is an iteration and not a once-and-done conversation. So those are some of the challenges we find. And then the last but not least, healthcare is still, you know, for not-for-profit health systems, you know, our pay scale isn't comparable to what the industry is. So we have to you know, attract people who are enamored with doing something for others and have that selfless attitude as they come into an organization like healthcare and not-for-profit healthcare. So those are some of the things we're tackling. So, uh, Sheriff, when you're looking at this whole idea of the team being brought together, the downstream and the upstream function, should they be basically one unit or you want to keep them separate because you don't want to have analytics drive how a data is harnessed? Yeah, well, I, I think it's they're separate. They stay separate in my mind more because of the skill set than um, the, the intention of what they should be doing. And, and what I mean by that is I think they're, they're, they're very different in terms of what skill set, what talent, what experience uh, those two different areas have to do to be successful. But again, by creating what I'll call a very tight linkage, uh, we make sure one doesn't get out of lockstep from the other. Uh, because to me, it's still incredibly important uh, to ensure that whatever we're doing, the what is connected to the how, 
uh, to ensure that, again, we're always looking at that end state goal, that use case in mind, um, that decision we need to make uh, from both not just collecting, compiling, cleaning, ensuring we've engineered the data correctly, but then also the insight and analytics that go into uh, creating, uh, you know, a very usable and a very dynamic and a very thoughtful outcome. So in analytics, as you see, and I'm sure you would have done it in your organization, is that once you started giving some insights to the business, they just keep asking for more. And then analytics team can totally go crazy trying to support and, and, and keep delivering to the business. That is a totally different type of mindset, a totally different type of function than a little more regimented function of data engineering, where they should not, at the time of collecting data, be always trying to align to what the next business insight someone is looking for. Because at the end of the day, there is a limit to how many uh, ways you can pull data out, how many ways you can crunch data is one thing, but the data stays data. So would you say the mindset of the people who are doing this uh, data engineering, should that be at all influenced by what the next best analytics report that your business would be asking for? Well, I, I think it has to go hand in hand a bit, though, again, because if, if we're too pure, for instance, from just a pure data perspective, if, if we're trying to be too isolated in terms of don't, don't bother us with what you're trying to solve, we are only focused on the data, I think you get too disconnected from, again, the real-life use cases of why you're even collecting that data, right? So... To me, the kind of the, what we've done at Fridays is I've kind of made that team uh, the, the voice of the guest, right? So we're very big on, again, trying to connect the dots with all our half a million guests that visit one of our restaurants every day. And so if, if they can be in any meeting, with it, whether it's with our marketing team, our operations team, our field team, if they in the room are the source of truth, right? Everyone's got an opinion in that room. But that team is the voice of the guest. They're the voice of truth. Regardless of what insights we're asking for, regardless of what decisions we're trying to make, everything bounces off, well, what does that team think? Because that team is the source of truth. If, if we can create that, and that's the mantra I've put on that group, then all the requests are fine within reason, but understand that we're not being biased by those requests. We are coming with the facts. We are coming with data and, and behind us that says yay or nay to what you're trying to do or what you think is happening out in, in a restaurant or for a particular guest. And that team can remain, you know, again, pure, but also singularly truthful uh, if that's possible, right? As much as the data allows, that, that's really what I want that team to be able to deliver is that they're the voice of the half a million guests per day that are not in that room with our other functions. Wearing the hat of a data leader, Vijay, when you look at the same question, what would be the level of isolation and independence would you seek from any of the downstream functions for you to be able to do your job? Yeah, so I think I'm going to build on Arif's answer and say that Part of what we think of ourselves, at least in my current role and how I, you know, and how our staff thinks as well, is we have to be anticipatory, you know. And one of the things that used to be the old way of doing things used to be we're always a reactive organization, right? Data functions were generally reactive. So we, I used to call us the, you know, we were in the business of order taking. So you pull up through your drive through window, you say, I need a cafe latte with, you know, whole fat milk and blah, blah, blah. We have, we have changed that paradigm to say we're not just an order-taking business. We are a value-enabling business. So it, by, by that, I mean we have to anticipate where is the business going? Where is our organization going? Where does and what data matters in that context? And how do we become a little bit more anticipatory? So I strongly believe that the voice of the patient, which is what our team should represent, and the voice of the customer, which is the caregivers who enable that care for the patient, 
if we start with them as the focus and how do we become anticipatory in that sense, then we will do a better job of bringing in data, whether it's internal data or external data, and harness it and make it available so that we can constantly meet the emerging needs of the business. Because as a data function, I, I believe, if we're not anticipating the next two, three things, then we're not doing our job. And that's a mind shift, you know, if you will, of how do you change that thinking from a reactive to a proactive. And that, I believe, is going to be critical for people like me in my capacity or, or any data organization to be thinking about the future constantly and not the past. Now, talking about the very source of this talent. So talk about data engineering. Yes, some of those functions we have had in legacy environment which we have in IT, so we could leverage them. But then analytics, yeah, to some extent, again, we can say it, but then when we talk about data science and others, downstream function, those are definitely new types of animals who we need to somehow find and incorporate in our team, whether as an outsource partner or even as your inside talent, but also on the data engineering side. So, Sheriff, when you were to look at a constant pipeline building, because this is not going to stop this function, data engineering, as well as the analytics, it's going to only grow. And there will always be outside forces which will try to pull good talent out of your organization. What are you doing to build that pool and maintain that pipeline so that you are never short on staff and capability? Yeah, it's, uh, that's, uh, that's the million-dollar question, right? Because um, that, that talent pool, to your point, uh, is in high demand, um, and it's, it's not a very big group of individuals today. And so really for us, um, you know, if, if you can't go and, and spend, you know, high six digits on getting the best talent, you, you've got to be able to really rely on, in our case, external partners. And for us, that's worked pretty well because um, we, can, we can draw in kind of the expertise and the insight, get the knowledge sharing that we need to our internal team, but then stay relevant in terms of what's next, right? So I kind of always challenge the team in terms of, well, what are other people doing out there? There's so many new startups and, and new talent out there that are kind of pushing the envelope in terms of what else we can do around data and analytics um, that, it, you know, almost trying to build that internally is, is, is very difficult and very expensive. And so for us, it's really trying to partner and really stay out, you know, out in front with, you know, who's doing the next big thing, and is there a use case that makes sense to go try it, right? Is there something that allows us to continue to evolve our capabilities around the data and analytics function that others are doing, whether it's from academia, whether, again, it's from entrepreneurs that have new startups? Um, it's, it's really that ability to stay really networked and connected in this space uh, that also allows you to differentiate, right? Because everyone's trying to do this, you know, not just across sectors, but obviously our direct competitors. And so it's how do you create and how do you use something that's new and different that no one else has? And that's, that's the challenge, right? Because whether you're trying to retain these people internally or trying to find the next great, you know, partner, um, it's who, who gets there first and who does it faster uh, is going to win this game. And so it's, uh, there's, no, there's no easy answer to that question. Uh, it's, a, it's a continual battle to make sure you've, you've got the right people either internally or connected from a partner perspective uh, to make this happen. So you're saying that either the CIO becomes also assumes a headhunter function or somehow figures out a pipeline outside because HR not always may come through when oh. you're trying to get this level of talent. A absolutely correct, yeah. I mean, as the CIO, I, I have to be almost, you know, uh, chief startup officer as well, right? I, I, I go to places, I, I stay connected to networks uh, because I need to know who else is, is starting, who, who are even now in stealth mode that haven't got their an even initial seed money yet, but they have a good kernel of an idea. They have really smart people, you know, that may have come from Google or Amazon or MIT uh, that are starting a new venture and you want to be their first client. You want to you wanna try something first that no one else has uh, within reason, but th those are the types of things that's, that continue to help drive a competitive advantage. So, Vijay, when we look at the, the kind of skills that we need at the individual level or the team level, 
like the benchmark which we would like to set for all the people in the room so that we do not go below. What would those benchmark be in today's day and age and what we see coming tomorrow? So I think the benchmark to be, for me at least is, you know, where are other industries in comparison to our own, right? So one of the things we have to do is to be, be more aspirational. And regardless of the industry we're in, we have to say, who are the leaders in the space? You know, how do we figure out kind of where they're at? What did it take them to get there? And so just to kind of add on to how we're closing the resource gap, you know, one of the things we've done very well is we have internship programs with local universities. So specifically, if they have a data science curriculum program, if they have a data engineering program, we now partner with our local universities to say, can we be that um, internship hub for them? Can we train the talent within our industry domain? And hopefully that'll be the pipeline by which we hire the future generation engineers and data scientists. So that's one deliberate strategy we have. The other one is really trying to appeal to the millennials and say, hey, do you want to change the world? And healthcare is the domain where we strongly believe we need brand new ideas. We need that entrepreneurial spirit and talent. So that's another way is that we're really going to the hearts and minds of the young to say, can they come in and do something for the common good? And then the third thing is actively working with startups and entrepreneurs out there to say, which part of the gap can they really help us resolve? So is it a data science gap? Is it a data engineering gap? Is it an analytic platform gap? How do we think about these things and figure out where is our strength and where are their strengths and how do we marry the two? So we're, we're kind of doing an all-in strategy, if you will, to make sure we're prepared for the future. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you both, Vijay and Sheriff, for sharing your thoughts on how organizations can start thinking about building a very effective data and analytics team. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And listeners, hope you enjoyed. This is a tough problem, which we're trying to all crack. Uh, Both Sheriff and Vijay gave us some great insights. Hope you enjoyed it. Please listen to it on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. There are a lot of places where you can hear the podcast. And of course, on our website, ciotalknetwork.com. And give us your feedback, rate us, and like us on Facebook. Search for CT and CIO Talk Network and follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to this segment on CIO Talk Network. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sunjoe Gall. To learn more about our program or for show archives, comments, or questions, please visit ciotalknetwork.com. Thank you again for listening. CTN CIO Talk Network is brought to you by Redmain and BlackBerry.